As more and more people work from home and restrict their trips outside of the home, e-commerce companies continue to be the ones reaping the benefits. One of those companies is The Real Real, a consignment giant with a focus on bringing luxury brands to everyone. Josh Schlanger is the head of DevOps and product support at The Real Real, and he joined IT Visionaries to discuss how e-commerce sites operate. Plus, he explains how The Real Real is working to sift out fake products and why he thinks jobs will make a more permanent shift toward remote work moving forward. Enjoy this episode. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Build connected experience, empower every employee, and deliver continuous innovation with the customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com platform. This podcast is created by the team at mission.org. Welcome to another episode of IT Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, host of IT Visionaries, and we have recurring guest, Josh, what's going on? Hey, Ian, how are you? Good to have you back. Uh, it's been, gosh, like 40 episodes at this point. Time flies when you're having fun, uh, I suppose. So uh, we're excited to have you back to talk about the new gig, what you're working on. We'll talk some DevOps stuff and everything between. So uh, yeah, tell us about the new company. Yeah, I'm super excited. I joined uh, the company called The Real Real uh, in January of 2020. So just a little over 100 days there now. So super excited about that. And um, I'm also excited. It's a little bit more focused work for me. I'm running a DevOps team and a, what we call product support. So DevOps, I guess, is you know typical cloud infrastructure engineering and, and site reliability engineering. And then our product support team is a team that sits in front of the engineers to help catch any issues or tickets before they get to them so we can you know, triage them and help you know, reduce the load that they may get in from external customers or other employees in the company that are having issues or, or problems with the products that we are building with our software. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about the company because this is kind of a unique uh, marketplace. You can find, obviously, uh, it's at therealreal.com. Um, we are in sort of the luxury consignment space. So the idea is we, we work with consigners to bring in product. And you as a buyer, anybody in the world can go to the site and see all the different products. Uh, they definitely tend to be a little bit on the higher end. Um, and the interesting thing about there's a couple interesting things about it. One is every product that we have is, is a unique SKU. Right, so it's not like we have quantity ten per SKU. Um, we could have two, but usually, it's, you know, product, you know, a SKU count one. And uh, the other interesting thing is that it's, you know, it takes the sort of circular economy concept, right? You know, protecting the environment, you know, reusing products, and really can, can bring it, to, you know, to the masses here. So it's it's from from my background, uh, I studied environmental engineering. I got my master's degree, so you know. As we were talking about earlier, you know, I, I wanted to go out and save the world. And, you know, I didn't end up exactly there, but I, maybe I am now sort of doing that and supporting this company and our initiatives in, in that perspective. And so how much are you working like with engineering on a daily basis on like product focused stuff versus internally on like more of employee experience? Yeah, I mean, I'm almost exclusively working with the engineering organization. 
you know, my team works very closely to ensure that we're delivering the infrastructure, the tooling, the pipeline, the metrics, the monitoring that ultimately our software engineering teams are, you know, building on top of or using to know what's going on with the products that ultimately ends up in the hands of our customers. Uh, I will mention that our customers are sort of twofold, meaning we have external customers and the buyers and consigners that I mentioned earlier, but we actually write a lot of software that supports our employees in the e-commerce centers. So essentially uh, locations where we take product in and then we prep to get put on the website. And then when orders are placed, then they get shipped out of. So a lot, there's a lot of workflow that happens in those centers and we write a lot of software to support that. Interesting. So I didn't realize uh, that's pretty interesting. So your team is actually facilitating that piece of it. You're actually like building those uh, internal products. What we do is, so all of the infrastructure, so think, you know, so just a little bit of background. So we run, you know, exclusively in the cloud across, you know, a couple of different partners or suppliers. And the, the software that, you know, obviously needs to run somewhere, so it runs in the cloud. And that software that's running, you know, think about, you know, uh, that software running supports those employees in those e-commerce centers. So, you know, what does that mean? So if you think about what, you know, a worker in, in those facilities, you know, they take product in, right? So they have to scan it in, right? We use, you know, normal third-party scanners, but then that software that we take that scan and then that ends up in a database that we essentially built, right? So we're not using off-the-shelf software to sort of track that. We've written our own code that will put it into the database and then track it throughout its workflow. So first it gets entered in and then we, you know, we have to check it into the right bucket. So meaning, you know, is it, is it clothing? Is it, is it furniture? And then there's a, there is a, we do a lot of work around authenticity because we tend to deal in luxury items. We do end up with you know, a lot of fakes at times. So we do a lot of work around authenticity to ensure that, hey, this product really is what it is. So there's a whole, whole bit of workflow that are around that. So there's a lot of software we've written around that. And when I say luxury items, we do a lot of uh, business with fine watches or uh, I think it's fine jewelry and watches. So um, we get a lot of interesting products that come through and then name brand stuff that you would think like Gucci, Hermes. We have to make sure that that's real stuff. There's a lot of fakes on the, on the market. So all that software runs on the infrastructure that we ultimately uh, deliver to the engineering team. So what are some of the unique challenges that you see from a DevOps perspective? Again, like we kind of talked about, it's it's a pretty unique marketplace because it's not something like a like a Craigslist or a like you know Facebook marketplace or these things where it's all verified by uh, you know it's use at your own risk, right? Like there's inherently some different challenges there, but specifically, you know, there are also just some challenges in running you know retail stores and doing all those things. So I'm curious, like how have you approached the problem set? Yeah, it's you know I, I take a deep breath because it's an it's an interesting question. I think there is some commonality, you know, across my experience in, in varying industries that that is always the same, right? Meaning we've got to deliver infrastructure via the cloud. How do we do that? So we're using common tool sets to do that, right? So if you think about Terraform as a, as a tool that we use to bring up or update or even tear down at times uh, infrastructure, we're doing a lot of work with Docker and Kubernetes and, and running our applications on that. 
but that that's sort of a common theme that you see across a lot of companies where where it differentiates or starts to differentiate in the business that we're in. It's really around like how do we manage scale from an e-commerce perspective, right? So holiday times, you know, in a lot of e-commerce companies, you know, so we need to track that. What I'm saying is we need to prep and always think about the holidays that will be coming up at the end of the year and how what are we doing to make sure that we can minimize uh, any impact to the infrastructure. So that's sort of, you know, that's definitely one area of focus that we have. Another area of focus is we have regular sort of, you know, marketing pushes, marketing sales, or should I say marketing pushes, where we're seeing to send out an email twice a day and we see big spikes during those. So how do we, you know, manage performance and, and load during those uh, periods of time? We do a lot, or we are doing a lot of work or ads with respect to podcasts or um, advertising on TV. So at times we'll see spikes on usage in those areas. So just making sure that we can meet demand during those spikes is, you know, obviously hugely critical for the business. And then, you know, we're, we, I will mention we live in this sort of new world right now where everybody's, you know, work from home. So how do we continue to ensure that, you know, consigners can consign, buyers can buy and working with the engineering teams to pivot and, you know, deliver through, you know, virtual appointments that we've set up or curbside drop-off and, or, you know, curbside pickup. So we've done a lot of work. So we have a few, a couple of retail stores where we started doing curbside drop-off, or if you're a consigner and you want to consign stuff, but you don't want to mail it, you can drop it off. Or, and I think we're also looking at doing curbside pickup. I, I may have that backwards, but the idea is we're using our retail store locations, which are closed right now, as another way to continue to move product through the system. And just working with the teams, right? So we're very supportive of the engineering team to make sure that they can deliver those capabilities back to the business. That's interesting. How are you? Uh, how are you doing the podcast tracking and stuff? I'm curious as a creator of podcasts, always looking to learn more. Yeah, I don't know how we're doing it. Like our marketing team um, works with, I guess you know, companies that you know find spots in podcasts for advertising. All I know is my kids all the time say now when they're listening to podcasts, they'll come to me and it's like, Dad, Dad, guess what? I just heard an ad for the real real. I was listening to this such and such podcast. Oh yeah. I was like, that's great. And then it's funny, you know, I, I've even noticed it a few times too. So it's not my area of expertise. I don't know how they're getting in there, but they, you know, they they are. Okay. So I want to go back to the authentication piece. So um Walk me through that again. So how how do you take like a physical good and then authenticate to make sure that it can then go to sort? Was that, did you say it was software or is it human plus software? How does that work? Yeah. So it's really today, it's, it's mostly driven by human. But what we do is though we do track, I don't want to give too much away here, but we do track when we, when we get fake goods and we track it, you know, through a number of different mechanisms. You know, I think, you know, like combination of maybe like who sent it, email address as such, so that, you know, when we get additional products from those particular areas, we may, you know, definitely hold it to confirm. Or if we definitely have had positive instances of, you know, fakes, you know, it could be immediately bounced. So there's a lot of work. But today it's it's mostly driven by human. We are looking at ways to do that a little bit more with software. Um, but that's that's a difficult problem to go after. And the frequency 
or the speed at which fakes hit the market is impressive too. Any other particular DevOps challenges that you've uh, that you've encountered? Yeah, you know, I don't want I don't want to say we've had any challenges because I I think I look at them as opportunities to learn something, and every business does things just a little bit differently. So I think the you know as we talk here a little bit on the fly, I think the one opportunity we have is how do we take these general tool sets that may we may we're not currently using today, but you know sort of or where we need to be, and how do we apply them to the to the business that we're in that supports the teams at the end of the day. So I think that's been interesting, right? So I'll, I'll give you an example. So, you know, I said a lot of words, but what does that really mean? So my last opportunity, last company I was at, you know, we did a lot of work around containers and ultimately went down the Kubernetes path, which was great. It was, you know, a huge opportunity for the business. Uh, the speed, of, we, we found the speed of deployment, you know, local development, you know, was increased. So that was, that was huge. Now, Today, we don't use as much of containers and we don't use as much of the Kubernetes ecosystem. But so it's how do we then bring that to the company to help them continue to be quite agile, improve speed, improve you know, local development, while also giving us the ability to you know, continue to do more with less, I guess is the best way to do it, to say it rather is you know we want to we want to you know do all of these great things both from a software development perspective building out products as well as you know the tools that need to support that and um you know we we feel pretty bullish on our ability to do that with some of the newer tools and technology that are out there today that's one you know one area of opportunity that I'm super excited about and then you know the other opportunity or challenge that you know I I've Taken on since I joined the company was thinking about how do we make the platform even more more highly available than it is today, particularly as we look to expand in the future. You know, here in the U.S., potentially overseas. You know, that could you know, in and in, a, in you leveraging the cloud, maybe be able to be multi-region, more highly available across those regions is a big challenge, big opportunity. It could be a fun one as well. We just need to figure out, sort of plan for it, and then use the, the tools that we're implementing today to help us deliver that in the future. No, obviously, COVID has, has changed a lot of things. Um, I'm curious, how has your team been building remotely and doing things remotely in this time? Like, how do you think that other leaders uh, that are that are kind of managing during similar periods of uncertainty can uh, can leverage some best practices? Yeah. So for my team specifically, we, the current, the current structure of the team is we have three, myself included locally here in the area. We had one other remote works, you know, out of his home in Denver. So that's, so we are sort of partially remote anyway, right now, as I look to grow the team in the future, you know, me personally, I'm not going to be tied to just the Bay area, like San Francisco. If we find somebody here, great. But I fully anticipate to have a partial to full remote team as we as we you know move forward. And I've managed remote teams in the past, so it's not a huge challenge for me. But you know, sort of best practices or the things that I think about is you know regular communication, and I think that's hugely critical. Most teams probably do this today with you know some concept of a daily stand up or, or weekly, you know weekly reviews, uh, ticket reviews, or whatever it may be. But I'm a I'm a big fan of like you know having regular one on ones with individuals you know just we use we use Slack pretty heavily so 
slacking people, hey, how's it going? Just keeping the communication as open, as transparent as possible is critical. You do have to do more work, right? You do have to, you know, email or Slack more often than maybe walking over to somebody's desk where you, you know, if they all worked in the same office previously. The time that I've saved in commute, and, uh, you know, it's unique to the Bay Area, right? You know, I used to spend, you know, an hour, maybe a little bit more an hour on a commute time in the mornings. The fact that I'm able to save some of that time for myself and then get on the computer, you know, sooner is great. The caveat is like, you know, I also have to schedule time to sort of walk away. So as we work more remotely or work from home or wherever you end up working from, you have to also remember to sort of take time for yourself and make sure that you do step away. Otherwise, you could be in front of your computer for eight hours and never walk away. And that's fine if you're into that, but you'll get burnout, I would believe, pretty quickly. Yeah. What about, um, you know, we don't have the crystal ball, as we always say, but, you know, leaning forward a little bit, what are some of the things that you want to be working on that you want your team to be working on or thinking about as we, you know, get out of this, you know, kind of period that maybe there's some time after this where, you know, people are going to be able to focus on building or, or, you know, future projects. Sure. I mean, I I mentioned a little bit, right, you know, thinking about how we help the business achieve the goals that they want to, right? So um, while there's a, you know, I love tech and I get excited and I I always love learning about new tools and existing tools that may have been out there for a little bit and how we can maybe best leverage them. But I, I always challenge the team to think about like, it's great to go do something, but how does it really help the business achieve its ultimate goals? And it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, when I say it's cheesy, it's gold. It doesn't have to be, you know, more revenue or less cost, but maybe it can just help, you know, people do their job better, more efficiently, which ultimately could lead to some, you know, cost benefit analysis. So um, getting back to, so specifically, we want to look at, you know, in the future, you know, highly available capabilities as, you know, more of our workforce does go remote and, you know, the supporting our IT organization. So I have a peer who runs IT, which is really supporting the end users from, you know, laptops and VPN and things like that, is working with them to make sure that as these users go remote, they have all the best uh, tools at their disposal and working with them just to make sure that, you know, again, the employees can do their job, which could mean more use of the cloud, depending on, you know, what we're talking about. We use a lot we have a lot of SaaS applications that we use, but you know there there are still some legacy pieces. You know we do have I mentioned e-commerce centers earlier. We have a lot a lot of uh, locations and offices and luxury consignment offices where we, we people used to come. So if we have hardware, there are things that we can maybe move to the cloud and just rely on the network. So those are the, those are some of the areas that I think about in the team. I ask the team to think about as we move forward, and then working closely with security, like as we move more and more online and do more work, you know, work from home or work remote is making sure that we're being as secure as possible because I believe that the attack surface is going to continue to get larger as people, you know, work out further out from, from those central locations. Awesome. Well, uh, Joss, it's been great having you, having you back on the show. Any final thoughts here before we get into our, our, uh, our lightning round? Nothing really. I just, you know, you know, whoever's listening to this, just we hope you're safe and healthy and, and you're making it through these, you know, different, I don't want to say difficult, but definitely different times. It could be difficult in some cases, but 
you know, know that you're not the only one out there. We're all in this together and we'll all get through this. And I'm sure one time, you know, one day, a couple of years from now, we'll look back and say, man, what a time, you know, that 2020 year was. At least I hope, I hope we can look back then. Um, so that's, that's, you know, really, and those who are interested, you know, a little bit of plug, you know, therealworld.com, if you're looking for some, you know, quality consignment items, you know, take a look. We've built a great product. We have great products that we sell. So if you're interested, take a look. It's just one other avenue or thing to do while you're all, uh, everybody's at home. All right, let's get into our lightning round. These questions are fast and easy. Just like the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, leading cloud platform, go check them out. You know, they have sponsored us since the very beginning, we love Salesforce and the Salesforce Customer 360 platform. You can go to salesforce.com slash platform to learn more all about the things that they got going on. It's, uh, they're the best. So check them out. Lightning round questions. Josh, are you ready? I'm ready. Number one, what habit have you picked up in shelter in place? I am drinking too much Whiskey and bourbon. <laughs> uh, indeed, aren't we all? What's your get out of the uh, get out of the house, get out of work? Uh, what's your break from work moment? Usually at the uh, end of the day, somewhere between four and five o'clock, maybe a little bit after five, I'll take a break. And because where I live, it's hilly, and I got great views. I'll take about a mile, mile and a half walk, and. Either listen to a podcast uh, or some music and just sort of try to chill with nature. So last time we had you on, you said that you were uh, working your way through Harry Potter. Uh, where are we at? Have you made any progress? Oh, I finished. I enjoyed that. It was great. Welcome. I, tw- I think it's 20 years since the first one came out. So I feel like I hope you didn't get too many spoilers. No, you know, like anything, the, the, I think the books were much better than the movies. Oh, yeah. It's not even close. Yeah. Movies barely scratch the surface. And there's some like glaring omissions in there. Exactly. Uh, too much. I could go on and on. <laughs> um, okay. What about um, if you weren't in IT, what would you be doing? Yeah, I think I'd go back to what I mentioned in the very beginning of our conversation. I'd probably be doing something around the environment. You know, I'm not sure exactly what, but probably maybe it would, and maybe it would be a blend of using technology to help improve the environment in some way. Well, we have just recently done our huge sustainability series on IT visionaries, and we had so many different folks that are working that are in technology that, uh, like one trillion trees and all sorts of different initiatives. So I feel like now more than ever, being a technologist and being able to, you know, support the environment and to to make a difference is actually attainable as part of the reason why we want to do that series is like, it's just, it's so hard to figure out where you fit in, right? You're like, I'm sitting here, you know, in a tech company or wherever, like, where do I fit in? But uh, yeah, I, I'm totally with you. I love being outdoors. So I love the Bay Area and I feel the same way. Awesome. That's it. That's all we got. Anything else? I'm good. It was, it was a pleasure. I, I appreciate it. Yeah. Awesome to have you as always and uh, take care. We'll follow along. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. 
Build connected experience, empower every employee, and deliver continuous innovation with the customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com slash platform.